Welcome to the World Beyond the Tale, the Page a Day American Gods podcast. I'm your host, James, and today we're reading page 118. Jeweled eyes of a dragonfly, but each facet saw something completely different, and he was unable to combine the things he was seeing, or thought he was seeing, into a hole that made any sense. He was looking at Mr. Nancy, an old black man with a pencil mustache in his check sports jacket and his lemon yellow gloves, riding a carousel line as it rose and lowered high in the air, and at the same time, in the same place, he saw a jeweled spider as high as a horse, its eyes an emerald nebula, strutting, staring down at him, and simultaneously he was looking at an extraordinarily tall man with teak-colored skin and three sets of arms, wearing a flowing ostrich feather headdress, his face painted with red stripes, riding in a radi- an irritated golden lion, two of his six hands holding on tightly to the beast's mane. And he was also seeing a young black boy dressed in rags, his left foot all swollen and crawling with black flies. And last of all, and behind all these things, Shadow was looking at a tiny brown spider hiding underneath a withered ochre leaf. Shadow saw all these things, and he knew they were the same thing. If you don't close your mouth, said the many things that were Mr. Nancy, something's going to fly in there. Shadow closed his mouth and swallowed, hard. There was a wooden hall on a hill, a mile or so from them. They were trotting toward the hall, their mounts' hooves and feet padding noiselessly on the dry sand at the sea's edge. Chernobog trotted up on his centaur. He tapped the human arm of his mount. None of this is truly happening, he said to Shadow. He sounded miserable. It's all in your head. Best not to think of it. Shadow saw a gray-haired old East European immigrant with a shabby raincoat and one iron-colored tooth, true. But he also saw a squat black thing, darker than the darkness that surrounded them, its eyes two burning coals. And he saw a prince with long flowing black hair and long black mustaches, blood on his hands and his face, riding, naked but for a bearskin over his shoulder, on a creature half man, half beast, its face and torso blue tattooed with swirls and spirals. Who are you? asked Shadow. What are you? Their mounts padded along the shore. Waves broke and crashed implacably on the night beach. Wednesday guided his wolf, now a huge and charcoal gray beast. And that's our page. So this page is pretty buck wild, huh? I mean, Neil starts really digging into some pretty heavy concepts and heady concepts is what I wrote in my note, but I said heavy. I guess it works either way, though. It's honestly difficult to try to picture everything that's going on. We had the last page where Shadow moved and he would leave behind this kind of record trail of his movements. And here he's seeing different iterations of the gods, uh, kind of their human forms and their animal forms and their own forms. And it's an, uh, it's hard to tell, like, is this the American form? Is this the stand, uh, you know, the classic god form? What is this exactly? So in therapy, I've been learning to hold two dissimilar and opposing ideas in my head at the same time. And in theory, I'm supposed to feel better about what's true versus what could be true or something to that effect. And I kind of wonder if that's what Shadow's experiencing at this point right now. Nancy is still the Nancy he met out in the food court in the House on the Rock, but he's also a gigantic spider god with emerald eyes, a six-armed man with dark brown skin and a headdress, a young boy with a swollen left foot, and a tiny brown spider beneath a small red leaf. He's all of these things, and he's none of these things, and he's everything all at once, and it's, it's pretty crazy. I do also enjoy that the lion is irritated to find himself being ridden by Anansi in this way. It's very true to the original stories the god is featured in. It also seems kind of familiar to when Shadow dreamed of the buffalo man beneath the earth, although we didn't get quite as much description of the setting of the buffalo man where he was, except that it was beneath the earth, and that was kind of all we really got. 
Chernobog also has several different appearances, though. Most interesting that there's a version of Chernobog that's regal enough that Shadow recognizes him as a prince. In this form, he has blood on both his hands and his face, which makes me wonder if this is a hint towards cannibalism. There's nothing that I can remember through the rest of the novel that suggests that Chernobog is cannibalistic or that he'll eat his sacrifices. He's not eating another human. He's eating a human, if he is, and that's part of his sacrifice. But there's also so little of the original mythos surrounding Chernobog that survived up to this point that he could actually consume the sacrifices as they're made to him. Soria Pulishnaya described the sacrifices as being led to the top of a high mountain before having their brains knocked in with a rock, and she clearly states that the sacrifices were people, so it could certainly lend itself to that viewpoint, at least within the book itself. The half-man, half-horse creature that Chernobog is riding is described in such a way that he could pretty easily be Pulkan, who we discussed a few pages ago. In some illustrations, he is depicted with tattoo-like markings on his man parts, and I realize now that I've made that out loud that I don't mean his penis, although, well, actually, no, he doesn't, he's not uh, depicted with a penis. He is man from the happy trail up, I guess, and those areas definitely have tattoo-like markings, and a couple that I saw, they were blue specifically, so even though he's not named directly on the page, I think that's who we're getting here. Shadow, though, was just chasing for asking too many questions a couple pages ago before they climbed up on the uh, carousel. And now he asks two more pretty important questions. Who are you? Followed by what are you? And I think the order of these questions is important as well because Shadow's having some kind of break and he's trying to reconcile everything that he's seen at the same time and everything that he's feeling at the same time. And I think it's curious, though, that he does think who before he thinks what. Shadow hasn't fully realized yet although I think probably he's getting there, that he's dealing with gods and hasn't been given any reason to think so. I find his shock a little tough to swallow at times because he did have his dead wife, Laura, come back from the grave and talk to him and kiss him, for that matter. And I know it's kind of easy to hand wave it as a bad dream. The book was pretty clear about making a reference to the muddy footprint she left on the floor at the motel as she left. So now Shadow, though, is experiencing everything weird pretty much head-on, and he doesn't have a good way to hide from it. So we'll see in the coming pages how he does with this, especially considering his general rule seems to be very much about the tangible and the real, and he's dealing with something that is simultaneously real and more than real at this point. Get in touch with the show at theworldbeyondthetale at gmail.com and on Twitter at worldbeyondpod. Thank you to Julian Granganage for his version of St. James Infirmary Blues, which we use as our theme. And thank you for listening. I'll be back tomorrow with another page, and remember, only the gods are real.